Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Trebowasser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People applying Rotary's motto of service above self. And today our special guest is author Jesse A. Saperstein, talking about living with Asperger's Syndrome. And Jesse, welcome to Radio Rotary. Um, this is something uh, that has very recently become more on the forefront in the mainstream that people in general have have been more aware of, become more familiar with. Ex- but explain to our listening audience exactly what Asperger's is. Uh, Asperger's. Asperger's. Is that, that's how you Asperger's. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. That's right. Um, I stand corrected. Thank you. It's okay. It happens all the time. Um, but most of the time it's misspelled with a B instead of a P. That's what I did. <laughs> it's my fault. Oh, don't worry about it. But um, to answer your question, Asperger's syndrome is the mildest, unfortunately, the most misunderstood form of autism. And uh, when I say mild, I don't really uh, mean mild, even though there are disabilities far more severe than Asperger's. Um, the problems it creates for the individual who suffers from it uh, are usually quite severe, um, but these problems can be um, alleviated through proper support from teachers and family members. And you've done something very brave, uh, Jesse Saperstein. You've written a book called Asp- uh, Atypical, Life with Asperger's Syndrome, uh, Asperger's in 20 and one-third chapters. It's available uh, from Penguin Books on their Peregrine uh, label. It's a wonderful book. Both Sarah and I read it cover to cover, and it, it you really open up your heart uh, as to what happened to you throughout your childhood and teenage years and how you're coping with um, Asperger's syndrome, uh, which you say is a mild form of autism. So we should probably tell people at home who may not know, what is autism? Uh, autism is a neuro- <coughs> neurological disability. Um, it affects usually a person's social interaction. And what what many people did not realize prior to 1996 is that, sorry, 1994, it was first diagnosed as an American disability in 1994, added to the DSM-4, and uh, um, autism is actually a spectrum. Uh, there's uh, cases that are so severe that a person will never utter a word and probably will always have to have uh, some kind of help, and there's there's cases that are very mild like mine to the point where they're almost undetectable. Well, so, well, going back to this autism uh, topic, the the one that's most severe, the condition that that um, people suffer with that are that are the most severe is what people are most familiar with. The more subtle um, condition, like yours, is is what has become new. And your book, as as um, Jonah said, it, it's very brave. It's also very it's very candid and very humorous. Oh yeah, it's a great read. It's a great read. Um, I have to share something with you. My uncle is um, 70 years old, and about three years ago, he was just diagnosed. Is that right? Yeah, his entire life. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant, brilliant human being. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we always just thought he was a little eccentric. Um, and with that knowledge, at, at, at this point in his life, he has become so much more comfortable with himself. The emails, uh, my daughter just graduated from college a couple weeks ago, and the, the emails from him, the conversation with him, the dialogue with him has become so much easier for the family and, and particularly for him. 
It, it has changed his life. And Jesse says in his book that uh, he had the same kind of sort of evolution. Um, they didn't diagnose you until your teenage years. Is that correct? That's right. I was diagnosed at age 14, um, only two years after it was first recognized as an American disability. And, and so you're in high school, and you went uh-huh. to high school here at locally at Arlington. Were you That's at Arlington right. High School? Arlington High School, and I graduated in the year 2000. Okay. So beforehand, you know, everyone just assumed, well, he's just another goofy preteen because... Adolescent. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, us guys, not the ladies, not you, of course, but of us course guys not. all do goofy things when we're, you know, 10, 11, and 12, and everyone just assumed that was the case. You, you are absolutely right. When I was growing up, being extremely weird was not considered to be a legitimate disability. <laughs> it was always a, a character flaw, something that had to be corrected. And um, that's pretty typical of people being diagnosed really late in life. Um, your uncle, for instance, uh, mm-hmm. um, he went through an entire lifetime of people telling him that there was something wrong with him, something that had to be fixed. And uh, that's why I wrote my book, to show people that there are things that have to be worked on, like we all have things to work on, flaws to be corrected. But if you treat Asperger's syndrome as something that needs to be fixed, then uh, you're dooming uh, people who suffer from it. No, it's just something that you cope with. I, the, right. um, I'm just going to say, besides the fact, Jonah, that you typed it incorrectly on the, on the, I, for I me to read, guilty. I'm going I'm to tease him. I'm dyslexic on top of that. So, you know, I could look at it from one minute and look at it on another page and not get it. So, I, I mean, no. I get we're wired differently. Anybody with a, any kind of quirkiness like that, and it's not completely understood. Asperger's, uh-huh. I, uh, it, the neurological, how you're, how you're plugged in, correct? Right. That's a good way of putting it. Um, I'm kind of plugged in to be pretty eccentric and not really understand uh, facial cues and uh, voice intonations. So uh, social interaction can be very tenuous for someone with my challenges. Are you more comfortable than dealing with a uh, written word? Dealing, um, communicating by writing rather than by verbal communication. How do? What's the difference for you, and how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm definitely a lot more comfortable um, typing emails and communicating online than actually having face-to-face interactions or talking on the telephone. And um, I think that's why people are liking my book so much because it was a way of me communicating what I want people to hear about my condition and people similar to myself. Jesse Saperstein, author of Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a third chapters from Penguin Books, and their Peregrine uh, label is our guest here at Radio Rotary. And um, tell us a little bit about uh, what it was like growing up with Asperger's. Um, you know, I know it's in your book, but some people haven't had the chance of reading your book, but I'm telling you, and Sarah agrees with me, run out and buy a copy. It's a terrific read. What, 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 when did you first find out that um, your life was a little bit different than your playmates? Um, pretty much my entire life. I always knew that there was something about me that was different, but I never associated it with a disability until my family told me that I was born with a disorder. I think I may have been um, in elementary school when they told me. uh, They said it was a disorder, but um, it had no name back then. I was diagnosed first with hyperlexia, which has which entails poor social skills but high intelligence and uh, static encephalopathy which uh, is a form of brain damage but um, these were kind of vague diagnoses and uh, 
Um, I, I always seem to have problems, really bad problems during periods of transition. Uh, the dark side of Asperger's always flared up with the vengeance with my inappropriate behavior with new schools, new teachers, and so forth. Well, that's stressful for anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's so stress can trigger episodes or, exactly. or incidences of of this, of Asperger's, just spell it for the other dyslexic people listening, (laughs) because Uh, if anybody wants to go online and research it, or they want to go to their local bookstore, very clever read, Joan and I can't emphasize that enough, spell how how it's pronounced, spell it for us. It is A-S-P-E-R-G- E-R, and uh, a lot of people use an apostrophe, yes, but some people think it's just Asperger syndrome. I, okay. I say Asperger's because mainly because it's on the title of my book. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for uh-huh. you. And That's a, good and PR. And it's a great book, and it's a great book. Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a third chapters by Jesse A. Saperstein on the Penguin um, Peregrine per- label. Now, um, you know, you're in your, your school years. Um, people think you're a little weird. Uh, you get picked on. Um, tell us about the the evolution of your ability to gain some self control and integrate into society um, as you get older, because that's covered in the book and it's it's absolutely a terrific story. I think it's important for people who suffer from the condition and those around them to understand there has to be a distinction between Asperger's syndrome and just plain inappropriate behavior and. Um, over time, I realized that having my condition, it does not give me the right to uh, say an inappropriate joke at the workplace or or ask out a woman uh, like 50 times in one week. And when I was younger, um, I engaged in inappropriate behavior to get attention. Uh, well, Jesse, uh-huh. every guy out there, including yours truly, has done that. Whether or not we had Asperger's, we keep asking girls out. They keep saying no. Like 50 times in one week with the same person? Uh, uh, I want about 50 well, times, but I approached that record. Yeah, well. <laughs> Jonas coming clean ladies and gentlemen <laughs> well, I think in your day and age uh, that was actually common uh, right. because it was considered wooing and uh, these days it's known as go. stalking he's giving you credibility uh, Jonah thank you Jesse <laughs> I, I, you, know, you know in the movies like there's something about Mary when yes. uh, a guy does something really outrageous to uh, win a girl over yes. in, in reality that would earn him a call from the police department and she would, uh, <laughs> she would avoid him for the rest of his and her life that's how go. it works. Okay. Uh-huh. Let me remind our listeners, they're in tune with Radio Rotary oh, right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. My name's Jonah Trebowasser. My co-host is the lovely Sarah O'Connell. Our producer is the winner of the Rotarian of the Year Award from the Hudson Valley District 7210, Miss Betty Renner. Applause, and our, applause. And our very special guest, author Jesse A. Saperstein, author of a terrifically warm and, and numerous read, Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and 3rd Chapters, available on the Peregrine label of Penguin Press. And tell us, Miss Sarah, who brings us Radio Rotary this week? We are sponsored by Rotary District 7210 and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington, Blooming Grove, Washingtonville, Carmel, Chester, Chestnut Ridge, Congers Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Highland, Hyde Park, Kingston, Kingston Sunrise, and LaGrange. And we'll be back with more of Radio Rotary after these important messages. Not all superheroes wear capes. Most wear jeans or sweaters or suits, just like ordinary people, because that's what they are. They are the 1.2 million members of Rotary, men and women whose superpowers are the capacity to care and the desire to make the world better. So the next time you need a superhero, don't look in the sky, look in the mirror. Learn more at Rotary.org. Rotary, 
Humanity in Motion. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. What would you do if a friend, co-worker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V dot com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Radio Rotary is brought to you by Beach Grove Technology, providing natural dietary supplements for a healthier life. Beach Grove Technology's herbal supplements are uniquely designed to prevent premature aging, eye problems, and weight loss. Beach Grove Technology is now featuring its latest natural product, cultivated American wild ginseng. So take charge of your life with Beach Grove Technology's safe natural products. Visit bgtsupplements.com or call 800-861-4933. That's bgtsupplements.com, 800-861-4933. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to Radio Rotary. I am joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, and today we are talking to a very fascinating guest, Jesse A. Saperstein, who has written a book about Asperger's, um, which is a form of autism, and he, it's for, completely from the heart because it's a personal journey of um, you as a person who lives their everyday life with this affliction. Um, the name of the book is Atypical, Life with Asperger's in 20 and one-third chapters. And where we left off, Jonah, we, we were on a roll there in the last segment. Why don't you pick us up? Well, Jesse, um, your book, uh, which is published by Penguin Press on their Peregrine label, uh, is a terrific read. And, you know, as Sarah says, you open up your heart and you're very candid about what it was like growing up with this, being somewhat isolated because people thought you were strange, you know, kids would tease you and all that. And we're talking about how you were able to mature and gain some measure of self-control. And uh, initially, people thought you were very selfish because you would say all these inappropriate things and, and not care about other people. But you've done a tremendous amount of charity work and other good deeds. For example, you're a, a, a regular blood donor uh, for platelets. Tell us about that. Um, I try to donate uh, blood and platelets as often as possible. I've cut back in the, pla- the platelets because um, you're hooked up to that machine for an hour and a half. And uh, one time I became anemic from donating blood too much. Uh-huh. But th- that's one of my special interests. And uh, in my opinion, that's a way for someone like myself to kind of justify my weirdness and uh i've done a good job of that and people uh, have been good about giving me the break that i think i deserve now jesse weird is going to the older you get it's going to be eccentric okay (laughs) it's going to change to that and that will be embraced Uh you'll be like jonah jonah can be your your mentor in that (laughs) journey but one one reason why you give blood is you're also a blood donor you're also very supportive of the hiv the research efforts and you help raise money for aids and cure to aids tell us about about how you got interested in that Um, after college i had absolutely no idea what i was going to do with the rest of my life and i had absolutely no interest in going to graduate school 
so um, I said to my family, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail, and I combined it with a fundraiser for a now-defunct Pediatric AIDS Foundation, the Joy DePaulo AIDS Foundation, and um, I walked the Appalachian Trail from March 9th, 2005 until October 18th, so over seven months, and by the end of the hike, over $19,000 was raised for the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. And how many wow. miles did you cover? 2,174. Which well, is from where to where? Georgia to Maine. On foot. That is fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. And well, that's the only way you can get on the trail. Tell us about a couple of people you met, because you make the point in your book that uh, these people were not the hyper-successful, overachieving mm-hmm. athletes. A lot of them, uh, like yourself, had special problems that uh, they wanted to work out in, in the solitude of the trail, and you... Mm-hmm. You uh, met up with people at different points, and and you gave each other support. Tell us about that. Uh, I met so many interesting people on the trail, and uh, everyone, almost everyone goes by a trail name, and sometimes you go through the entire journey not knowing someone's real name. Like, mine was Lojack because my mother made me hike with a beacon locator device for a while. that's, That's love. That was promptly sent back. Uh, I explained to her, you try carrying something that weighs this much for over 2,000 miles. And you, you see that if uh, you see if you'd send it back, too. I know. When my son and I hiked the um, Philmont Scout Camp uh, in New Mexico, the uh, people who did the training said, remember, <laughs> by the end of the day, every ounce is a pound. It's going to drag right. you down. It, it's crazy how the tiny ounces add up to pounds. You're right. How long did it take you? Seven months and nine days. Wow. And did you meet, you also meet people that are not just on the hike. My understanding is this. Tell me if I'm wrong. You, you meet people that are hiking, but you also meet like the, um, the trail watchers or the people that help maintain it, that kind of come out of the woods, so to speak, uh, along right. your way, that are residences, uh, residents of the areas you're going through. People do something called trail magic, which is basically good deeds for hikers. It can be something like, like providing a jug of water on a hot day, or it can be actually letting someone stay in their house overnight and uh, I experienced that and more and uh, to go back to your question I kind of went off on a tangent Mm -hmm. I met so many people and uh, uh, some people were uh, successful like they were the dot-com millionaires uh, I suppose and they're into retirement and others have been in jail and uh, were what society would uh, prematurely judge as low lives or something but you learn so much about who a person really is. Yes, out in the wilderness right. or, or, or on an adventure like that. Now, you you said that you had no interest earlier in going back to going to graduate school, but you you know people think that um, that you might be less than intelligent, and oftentimes when um, so this has been my understanding, you, you most people with Aspergers are also highly intelligent. They're, they mm-hmm. have very high IQs. Well, he's a graduate of uh, Holbert and William Smith College. That's and that's what I was going to say. Let us let the audience know where you went to school. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hobart and William Smith Colleges in Geneva, New York from 2000 to 2004. Very difficult school to get into and to stay in mm-hmm. yeah. and then to graduate from. Well, like, getting back to your seven and a half month journey uh, down the trail uh, over to- 2,000 miles, um, that was a very brave thing to do. I don't know why I would do it, certainly at my age, but wh- what made you decide to do that? Besides the fundraising aspect, what, you know, you had so many challenges in your young life up to that date. What were you any apprehensive at all? Were you afraid at all? Um, I was extremely apprehensive, and uh, 
uh, what made me want to do it is making the promise to the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. Uh, um, people with Asperger's often take promises very seriously, and they try to be on time, and these are the qualities that people should pay attention toward. So um, I made the promise, and I took it seriously. So uh, um, I also wanted to show people that there's more to myself than uh, what meets the eye, and I was hoping that people would see differently after I was finished. And I would make a contribution, of course, to the Pediatric AIDS Foundation. You know, Jesse Sapistine, another interesting part of your book, Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a Third Chapters on Penguin's Peregrine imprint label, is the fact that um, you achieved a certain level of acceptance by your peers in school when you started performing. Um, you, you sort of indicate that a lot of your... Um, uh, interesting behavior, shall we say, was to try and get a- attention to yourself. And but uh, at your bar mitzvah, when you, of course, you were the center of attention for your family and friends, and in school plays, uh, you were also the center of attention. Um, and yet, the Adirondack Trail was kind of a, a one-on-one situation until you hooked up with these other people. How do you explain that difference? Well, um, it's the Appalachian Trail. Apple, uh, thank you. That, I keep saying Adirondack Trail. That also Trail. happens okay. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so. Um, uh, what was your question again? Well, in other words, one part of you likes to perform, likes to have be the center of attention, but um, going on that trail could have been a very solitary situation. Oh, I understand exactly yeah. what you're saying. How um, do you how do you look at those those two aspects, which are quite different? Um, well, uh, there was a plethora of media attention from both the local and state wide media, and. Uh, um, I did get a lot of interviews, and I was even on ABC Eyewitness News, so that brought a lot of attention, and I did not do it specifically for attention, but that definitely played a huge part in uh, what made me finish, as opposed to the uh, 80% of hikers to 90% who just quit almost immediately. So, um, you've lived with this your whole life. You're in your early 30s now, right? Uh, no, I'm I'm 28. 28, okay. All right, and... Um what do you see as the future? I mean, you, you, you certainly have matured and developed to, to a certain level of self-control. Is this something you ever grow out of completely, Asperger's? Is this something that's ever quote-unquote cured? Absolutely not. Um, I believe that it's possible to function as a productive member of society, but there's always going to be something about a person with my challenges that's a little bit different. And the, um, my favorite expression is that uh, tolerance and acceptance, it's got to be a two-way effort for it to have a hope of ex- existing in our society. And if we have uh, you know parents or grandparents who are listening to Radio Rotary this morning and they say, you know, my child uh, seems to have it be a little different and a little goofy and, and strange and does things that we don't think are appropriate. Um, how can they tell the difference between Asperger's and just a kid that's you know energetic and, and just you know a little bit a little bit uh, tough to handle? I mean, what when you say you were diagnosed as a teenager, how what did, did they happen? do? Is it, is it a blood test? Is it a psychiatric examination? What is it? Uh, it's usually a psychiatric examination. And uh, I was uh, I was diagnosed when I had a very tough transition at the start of ninth grade. Um, there were so many problems that it prompted my mother and father to take me to a psychiatrist, and he is who made the diagnosis finally. And uh, you kind of have to look at a, a child's early development. Uh, I I had no interest in playing with my peers, and I would flap my hands, and um, I had no interest in imaginative play, playing with uh, those Fisher-Price toys. So 
um, uh, in this day and age that would probably lead to a diagnosis much earlier than back then. Well, they know more, even in the past right. 10 years, is right. my understanding. How, how was the school, how did the school embrace that? Not, not, the, not your uh, peers, but the school itself, the teachers, the administration. How was it dealt with? Um, I, I was very fortunate to have so many great teachers in my life who uh, made the process easier and gave me some semblance of self-esteem. And I had a handful who treated Asperger's syndrome as a character flaw, and um, that created a little bit of damage. But um, it was just seen as uh, something that had to be corrected. And uh, to some extent, problems do need to be uh, corrected. But um, uh, I, I don't blame my teachers so much because it did not even exist prior to 1994. Jesse, we have a few seconds left. What message do you want the listening public to understand about Asperger's syndrome? Uh, most importantly, uh, that the public has got to give individuals a chance, and that's the only way they're going to have a hope of making a contribution to society. This book that you have in your hands, this it's a collaborative product of the community. It's what happens when there's just barely enough people to give someone with my difficulties a chance to show that there's more to them than just being very eccentric or awkward. And that book is Atypical Life with Asperger's in 20 and a third chapters by our guest Jesse A. Saperstein, available on the Peregrine imprint of Penguin Books. If you can't find it in your local bookstore, go to penguin, P-E-N-G-U-I-N dot com. It's a terrific read. You'll enjoy every page. Jesse, thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary. Thank you for having me. And Sarah, who brought us Radio Rotary this week? Radio Rotary is brought to us by District 7210 and the clubs of Millbrook, Newburgh, New Paltz, New Windsor, Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Poughkeepsie, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. For Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasser. Thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio.